0: Today we are finishing up Matthew chapter 14 in our devotional Bible study reading through the Gospel of Matthew. And if you're just joining us, I would encourage you to go back at least a couple days to the beginning of Matthew chapter 14. There's a lot of rich content there for you. Or even go back to the beginning of this series, the intro to the gospel series, as we're working our way through little by little, looking at the history, the culture, the background, and helping to understand some of the things in scripture that we easily miss as modern readers. Now, if you'd like to dive a little bit deeper, please know that in the show notes, I have links to a lot of different resources. We have everything from spiritual, direction and one-on-one coaching, all the way down to journaling prompts and family discussion guides. And we also have a companion podcast for kids, so you can check all of that out in the show notes. So I'm reading from Matthew chapter 14, picking up at verse 22. It says, Immediately afterward, he compelled the disciples to get into the boat and to go ahead of him to the other side, while he sent the crowds away. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter responded and said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened. And when he began to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out with his hand and took hold of him and said to him, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind stopped and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, you are truly God's son. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret, and when the men of that place recognized him, they sent word into all that surrounding region and brought to him all who were sick, and they pleaded with him that they might just touch the border of his cloak, and all who touched it were cured. So this is likely a familiar story for many of you. It is for me, and there's a couple things that I want to point out that sometimes we miss as modern readers, because, again, remember, I say this all the time, While scripture was written for us, it was not originally written to us. It was written to an ancient people group that understood things just differently than we do being separated by time and space. And so let's think about this idea of walking on water. We see this also in the Gospel of Mark. And in the Old Testament, we did see some water miracles done by Moses and Joshua and Elijah and Elisha, like parting the sea or parting the River Jordan, But the only one in the Old Testament that was said to trod or walk upon the waters was God himself. So just keep that in mind as the backdrop to what we're studying today. And so Jesus has gone and he has separated himself and he's spending time in prayer. And honestly, at that point of time to spend that amount of prayer that would have been unheard of. Some of the very most pious of the Jewish leaders could spend, they would set aside like maybe two hours, specific hours for prayer. But here Jesus is spending the whole remainder of the day in prayer. And while we don't know for certain how long that was, it says that he comes back later in the evening And that use of the word evening is a little bit ambiguous because there was different shifts of the night watch. So it could have been anywhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. by the time he started back to the boat because the watches started at 6 p.m., but the Jewish people divided the night into three watches of the night and the Romans into four. So either way, it would have been 3 to 6 a.m. before they see him again. And remember, this is on the Sea of Galilee, where storms do come up suddenly, sometimes pretty violent storms. Um, we talked in depth about when Jesus calmed the storm and how high some of those waves would have been because of the positioning and the way that the wind came off the mountain. Uh, while they all were not big necessarily, like the one when Jesus calmed the storm, they were often violent and they could be very, very harsh and they would arise suddenly. So that's the backdrop of everything that's going on here. And so... The disciples are in the boat and they see Jesus coming towards them and they call out, oh, you know, maybe it's a ghost. I want to just touch base here on this idea of ghosts. So belief in ghosts in the Old Testament or disembodied spirits was popular in antiquity in general. But the idea of ghosts would not have been what We would think of when we hear the word ghost, especially it's Halloween time, depending on when you're listening to this. It's not the same thing. And sometimes people will point to the scripture and say, see, ghosts are real because it says it in the Bible. Now, remember, we want to read in context who was speaking. This would have been Jewish people speaking Jewish people that knew the Torah. The idea of ghosts was a contradiction to Jewish culture, Jewish teachings. It it was a contradiction to the Jewish teaching about the resurrection from the dead. This does not mean that they believed in ghosts. What it does mean is they were referring to this word ghost. And in the Greek literature, that would have been the word phantasma, which is used for things like appearances in a dream or apparitions or demonic deceptions. And actually in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, that word literally meant deception. And so what the disciples likely meant was there was some sort of evil spirit that was attempting to deceive them. I think that's important to to point out. And then what happens right after that? Jesus says to them, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Does that language feel familiar to you at all? And if not, I want to just point something out. Think back with me for a moment, back to when Moses was talking to God in the burning bush. Let me read it for you. This is Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. He says, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Again, we see that same language in Isaiah 43, verse 10. It says, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. Jesus, again, here, what we're seeing, he is declaring his divinity to them, and he's helping them to understand that he's not simply the son of God, he is God. Now He hasn't come out and said, I am God, but when he says the words, I am, what's he saying? It is I, do not be afraid, that original language, it is that same I am that is referring back to when God was speaking in the Old Testament. And so, again, as Jewish people, they would have understood that in a way that's different than how you and I understand that, because they knew the Torah, they knew the Old Testament. And then we see Peter. Peter, despite not being able to follow through, he begins to walk on the water and he has done something now that nobody, even the greatest prophets in the Old Testament, nobody has done up until this point besides Jesus. And while walking on the water reminds us that you know Israel passed through the Red Sea or passed through the Jordan, this is a bigger miracle even than what they experienced. And it's interesting because there's an old story that the Jewish rabbis would have told even though this is, you know, predating when Jesus would have come, they told the story about the first Israelite when they parted the Red Sea and the first Israelite went to go cross, you know, put their feet out in front of them and cross the Red Sea. They began to sink in the waves, but they were rescued by Moses' rod. And which is what divided the sea. And we don't know if that's true or not, but that is a story that the rabbis would have told that they would have understood. So this idea of a water miracle, Jesus walking on the water, and then Peter walking on the water, they would have understood the weight of that. And then it also refers back to Psalm 18, verse 16, which we study the Psalms in depth. But let me just refresh your memory. It says, he reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. We see this kind of water miracle consistently throughout the scriptures. And so what we're learning here about Peter, we know that Peter will play an increasingly important role as a leader of the disciples. And over the next couple chapters, next couple weeks, we're going to be learning about that in deep detail. But what Matthew is doing is he's starting to emphasize this idea of Peter as a leader, but he's also showing how Peter is an imperfect leader. And there's a process of development, spirit development in him that we see. And we see the progress throughout his relationship with Jesus. And what Jesus is doing is he's preparing him to lead the early church. He knows what's coming and he's he knows that he's going to need an extreme amount of faith in order to get there. And so this idea of Peter walking on the water, I think sometimes he's unfairly criticized. There are a lot of us as modern readers We just think, why is he so cocky that he thinks he could just get out of the boat and walk and see? He was humbled. That's not it at all. What we're seeing is the faith of Peter, and he has faith in Jesus. It's not until he starts looking at what's going on around him, the circumstances. He sees the wind, and then he gets distracted. And it's when he takes his eyes off of Jesus that he finds himself in trouble. And so what we're learning in that situation is As believers, as leaders, as we are sharing our faith, we're gonna find circumstances where we are in over our head. We feel completely unprepared, especially when we start sharing the gospel with those around us. And it's in those circumstances that we face day to day that will constantly be changing. But the one thing that is constant that we have is Jesus. And it's keeping our eyes focused and walking towards him and focused on that walk. That's what's going to get us through those circumstances. And so when we learn how to apply the story of what is happening with Peter, that's how we learn how to become leaders and develop in our growth with Jesus. And then in verse 33, it talks about how they worshiped him and The disciples, I think, probably for the first time are really, truly understanding, maybe not for the first time, but it's finally sinking in that he really is the son of God. And so they worship him. And so this reality of the, the fact that he truly is the Messiah, he truly is the one that was sent. It's starting to hit home. And then, of course, they end up back in Gennesaret at the end. And we see some more miracles where people in faith are touching the fringe of the garment that Jesus was wearing, those tassels, because he was an observant Jew. He's wearing those tassels. And if you want to learn more about that, you can go back a couple of weeks. I think it was two weeks ago we learned more about that. Remember, that was a location where a lot of the Gentiles were that he's doing these healings. So given all that insight, I'm going to go back and reread starting at Verse 22, it says, immediately afterward, he compelled the disciples to get into the boat and to go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage, it is high, do not be afraid. Peter responded and said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened. And when he began to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus reached out and with his hand took hold of him and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind stopped, and those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, You are truly God's son. When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret, and when the men of that place recognized him, they sent word into all of the surrounding region and brought to him all who were sick, and they pleaded with him that they might just touch the border of his cloak, and all who touched it were cured. God, thank you for revealing your heart. And even the way that you are developing Peter in this passage, Lord, help us to recognize that we don't have to be perfect in our leadership or when we're trying to tell others about you. We just need to keep our eyes focused on you, not the circumstances, not the distractions, but on you. God, we thank you for the way you reveal yourself to us through your word that you are the great I am. Lord, I pray for my friends today that they would be overwhelmed with the amount of love they sense from you. God, we thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, friends. Thanks for listening. Hey, friends, as we lean into a new month and we continue to learn and grow together, there's a couple resources I want to make sure you know about so you can take advantage of. The first is our Patreon page, and the link for that is in the show notes. And on the Patreon page, we have a couple things. We have a dedicated space that is for discussion, for asking questions. You get easy access to me where we talk about things. We hold each other accountable. There are resources that go with the show, like a journaling prompt worksheet download for every single adult show. We also have family discussion guides. And what's really been neat about those is that on the kids show, every day I talk about the same content that's on the adult show, just taught in a way that kids can understand. Then the Family Discussion Guides create an environment for you to process that information with your children. You can use that at the dinner table or even as part of your devotional routine. There's some suggested prayer and activities and things to help you connect that content to the appropriate age for your children. So all of that is on the Patreon. Also, there's some prophetic words, extra videos, transcripts, all those kinds of things. The second is on our website. If you go to SheHears.org, there's a shop resources page that has my Bible studies that I've written, links to different journaling Bibles, note-taking Bibles, all sorts of resources to help you grow. And then also on our website, we have the coaching section. If you are finding that you need some spiritual direction or life coaching, that is available for you as well. And that's really good to help you process what you're learning. If you're feeling stuck, if you need to work through something, if something just isn't sitting right, or if you wanna teach this content and you need to help develop a plan, I'm available to help you do that as well. Again, all of these are resources to help you grow in your spiritual life and hear God's voice more clearly.